Listener Production. The creators of this podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which it is recorded. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are the first storytellers of this land. We pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, as well as any Indigenous people who may be listening today. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Twikfop. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Alanison. Hello, and thank you for watching. And Will, for uh, anyone who is watching uh, the video of this, you're, I, did, I missed it. I blinked my eyes, and you've styled your head beautifully. When we were having our chat pre-show, it was everywhere. I turned down to, I don't know, run it back up or something. I looked up, and your hair is perfectly coiffed. How did you do that? Camera ready. Immediately yeah. camera ready. I always have the capacity to at any moment be camera ready. Um, I haven't got any product in my hair because I've been having a problem much like a problem you were experiencing oh, yeah. a while ago, Charlie, which is that I've had some lumps on my head. Oh, Remember yes. Remember you had that period where you had little oh, like- still, um, I'm still in that period, mate. <laughs> well, I think it has something to do with the humidity in the area in which we live because it seems yes. to be a problem that I experience when I'm in the Northern Rivers part of New South Wales more than I experience- I mean, hopefully it's not a side effect of the vaccine. That's going to make me <laughs> really. Are you starting, are you starting <laughs> to shake and making really unconvincing TikToks? <laughs> but I think you're okay. I mean, I think that if I was on TikTok, I would be making very unconvincing TikToks. So <laughs> I am I am now at the stage in my life, I've realized that if I see anything I don't understand, my immediate thought is TikTok. Bet it's a TikTok. That'd or be a mate. TikTok. Or oh, a 100%. Mate. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. I uh, 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 podcast Mike. Um, uh, I was going to say the dearly departed podcast Mike, but he's still alive. In fact, yeah, rest in peace. Two, he's producing two guys one cup. Gone too soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's always, you know, he's a young, he's a young, he's a young and will, and uh, he's always been pushing me for a, um, a tofop TikTok, a tickfop, a tickfop toe talk. I don't know what you would call it. Um, um, a tick fop, yeah. I tick a tick fop. I think tick fop. Okay, yeah. Tick tock, toe, or a or toe tock, tock, toe tock. A toe tock sounds like some porn porn hub category. Toe tock. It's a new Japanese thing. It's the biggest thing in Japan. Like the people's toes are penises. You haven't seen the toe tock videos? They've done some great thing with CGI where they've turned everyone's big toe into a big cock, and then they toe fuck people. Yeah, it's the hottest new thing. Podcast Mike is uh, is always gently encouraging me to make TikToks, and I'm always kind of like, ah oh, man. And he said, look, we're making these great, you know, uh, social videos that go out every week. They're shot vertically; they'd be perfect for TikTok. And so I said, look, well, Mike, here's the thing: we actually have a TikTok. I don't know if anyone searched this, but Tofa, there is a Tofop TikTok page that has nothing on it. I set it up about a year and a half ago, but I immediately got terrified and slammed <laughs> my computer shut, and I've never gone back. It was just like I set it up and. All I could hear was just a chorus of young people saying, this world is not for you, old man. 
Oh, man, I've been doing some uh, some stand-up shows, some what you're talking about, Willie, improvised shows, and I talk to the audience, and so you become very aware of the age demographic of your audience, and all I would say is, Charlie, uh, I don't think I have long to go. <laughs> I, think my, I think my career is going to be taken out by natural causes. <laughs> is it like when I, I sometimes I'll occasionally pop my head into a Catholic church to see what the congregation's doing and it is definitely God's waiting room. <laughs> like oh, it mate, feels like Catholic... a strong gust of wind could clear them all away. Oh mate, the Catholic Church has nothing on a Will Anderson uh, five o'clock in the afternoon show. <laughs> that is a demographic of mine who are just like five o'clock. Yes, that is the appropriate time to go to comedy. Do you think that's also a combo of you being kind of like Mr. ABC. Has that moniker ever been used to you, Mr. ABC, Will Anderson? I mean, I think I'm more the person who puts the C in ABC. You know, I'm not <laughs> sure that I've ever been Mr. ABC. Um, I mean, I guess in a way, for years, we had the easily the kind of most popular, you know, entertainment show on the network. So I guess in the if, if you were at a commercial network, then of course, yes, you would be Mr. Channel Nine. You would be the whoever it is, Scott Cam or Eddie McGuire or whatever Mr. at the time. He's Mr. Channel Seven. Like, I mean, yeah, like, wasn't I mean, Andrew O'Keefe Mr. Channel Eddie Seven McGuire, for a while? Mr. Channel Nine. So yeah, Eddie Mc Andrew O'Keefe was Mr. That's Channel Seven yeah. for a while. <laughs> Larry Emder, Mr. Channel Seven. Mr. Channel Seven. Yeah, I mean, would Daryl Summers have been Mr. Channel Nine? I mean, Daryl Summers was definitely Mr. Channel Nine at the time. Graham what Kennedy. About, uh, Bert Newton, Mr. Channel 10. Mr. Channel 10. Even though he started at nine, though, didn't he, Bert? Like, but he became yeah, Mr. Channel 10. Yeah. 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 Who else is there? So, and, and I guess Mr. would it be Kerry O'Brien, would be Mr. ABC, or who's like a beloved former? Bluey. Who's the biggest? Bluey. Bluey. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Bluey is Mr. ABC. Oh, no. We. I remember like three years ago, we made, we did like a running joke about how Blue is your biggest rival and blah, blah, blah. And we all made fun of the fact that, you know, this cartoon dog is a rival. But now we're all like, <laughs> oh, man, Louis I has won over your trusted friend, Charlie Clawson. Like, I love that show. I mean, I know everyone says that like it's the greatest show, but it seriously is some of the best writing on television. It is like, there is no shame. I don't know if you ever felt, like, embarrassed that you're being beaten by a cartoon dog. I can tell you, Will, there's no shame in being beaten by that cartoon dog. It is, like, it is as good as The Simpsons. It is that good, the writing on that show. I saw Dave McCormack, you know, former lead singer of uh -huh. Custard, Dave McCormack, who, is he Bluey's dad in the show? Is that who he yes, voices Bandit, in the show? Bandit healer. So- Firstly, I've never seen Bluey because I am an adult with no children, so I've never watched Bluey, despite <laughs> yes. the fact that people told me that I still probably would quite enjoy Bluey. I have never seen an episode of Bluey. It has been funny to me for years. I would, ne I, I, I would never like think that anyone who doesn't have kids should watch it. Like, I think if you do, that's great, but I think that the entry point of being a parent is what makes it so great because it's all about parenting. It's all about families and stuff. Like, it's sort of- Bandit is the perfect example of what a father could be. And so you would sort of, you could probably enjoy it from like an objective level, but I don't think it would affect you the same way as if you're a parent. So that's perfectly reasonable. I mean, I agree with that 100%. But also, what I agree with is the point that I'm going to make. I'm going to agree with the point that I'm going to make, which is that I don't think you have the same context of having watched all that other terrible TV that children watch when they're growing up. Because is yeah. it part of the appeal of Bluey? 
that it is so much better than all the other things that you're forced to watch when you're a parent. Yeah, exactly. It's the the guy who created it, Joe Brum, I believe his name is, used to work on Peppa Pig. Now, Peppa Pig is an incredibly popular kids show, but it is irritating as fuck. Like, Iona loves it. We have Peppa Pig books and toys, and I can't stand it. Bluey is the same format, same structure. You know, it's kind of like Family Guy is to The Simpsons. And just like the family guy came along and shook things up for the Simpsons, like, oh, holy shit, like, you know, you can really push the envelope. Or South Park is probably a better example. South Park came along and said, you can make this. That's what Bluey is. It's Peppa Pig, but not annoyed. Like Peppa Pig very- with racist cutaways. <laughs> Some of that shit does not hold up. Um, I'm interested. Not Bluey, I'm not talking about Bluey. I'm talking about Family Guy. No, Family Guy. <laughs> of course, there are actual like YouTube clips that pop up on my algorithm occasionally, which is like the most outrageous moments from Family Guy or the most racist moments from Family Guy. All the and- time. That gets fed into my feed more than anything else. What is going on? Is Seth MacFarlane going to deal with like Elon Musk or something? What's going on? I don't know why the algorithm suddenly thought I wanted to see racist clips from Family Guy. I get them all the time as well. I thought it was just me. It was my secret shame. It's like, what have I been searching that I'm getting all these like, what, it's not, they don't say it's racist. They say it's the most offensive jokes from Family Guy. All the oh, you edges. know, they, they, they don't say it's racist, but it's definitely racist. Yeah. <laughs> it's all homophobic as well. Transphobic, homophobic, <laughs> racist, <laughs> sexist, yes. you know, occasional sexist. Uh, well, uh, last week in the show, we had a listener write in and saying they had been on a meatloaf deep dive. Oh, yes. And uh, we said, well, maybe we'll get back to it uh, the mm. week after. And you said you had a story to tell, I believe, something around the 2011 grand final. Is that right? Well, I was at the 2011 grand final with my dad when meatloaf famously, like it's one of the, if people don't know, if you don't follow AFL football, if you don't follow bad music fails at major sporting events, it was atrocious. Like just absolutely terrible he couldn't hit any of the notes it was like rainy and the weather was terrible and the sound system wasn't working and it was just famously terrible he looked really i mean i literally just watched it two hours ago because i'd never seen it before and you're right like he can't hit any of the notes it's a really miserable day but he just genuinely looks tired i mean he would have been late 60s maybe early 70s or something when he was up there but it's just everything's an effort and he's kind of singing style like he does a lot of that groaning and stuff yeah. anyway, like when he was a young man. Uh, but now he's groaning. <laughs> like he's just like recording it, but also trying to take a shit at the same time. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. It sounds yeah. like he's choking the death. It's really just like an upsetting performance. But the crazy thing is, too, the clip I was watching. Like the band is rocking, like you know, it's like a fucking you know musical theatre sort of glam rock band. So they're just rocking out. And his backup singer or the woman he does a duet with has got an amazing voice, which just makes him seem more incompetent. The fact that he cannot keep pace with his band, that he can't like harmonise with this singer, it's really it's unbelievable. So my father, who has never in his life owned a musical album, never bought a record. Never bought a cassette tape. Doesn't, as far as I'm aware, listen to music at all. Like he listens to the wireless. He listens to programs about Is farming he like and broadcasts of the cricket. into the future, like who like gets scared of the sun and stuff like that. If you play music, does he shriek and hide at the corner? 
just no interest. Like that's it's yeah, not, right. it doesn't even have like a firm opinion. Like I don't like music. It's just like nah, not of yeah, interest. Not for me. Not even on my radar. <laughs> no thanks. Yuck. <laughs> so, you can keep your notes and your melodies and your rhythm. I don't need them. All so, I need is a cow to feel. I am there at the grand final with my father, standing out in the cold and the rain, and Meatloaf is performing. And there were a lot of bad reviews of Meatloaf that day. But my father doesn't listen to music, and he doesn't <laughs> like have, you know, the same standards that he can apply to music that anybody else does in that, that circumstance. It's very much like me watching Bluey out of the context of not having watched Peppa Pig or Dora, Dora the Explorer. It's not like you're going, this is great because I've seen how bad this can be, or vice versa, this is terrible because I've seen how good this can be. And I remember at the end of it just going, oh, I think that was pretty terrible, and turning to my dad, and my dad said this, which is the only time in my life that I've ever heard him comment on music. This is what he said. He said, was that meant to sound like that? (laughs) (laughs) Was that meant to sound like that? Even he, a person who knows nothing about music, had the suspicion that everything hadn't gone to plan. So do you think if your father just like – I know that a death metal band would never be booked for the grand final, but just say hypothetically they had, and it was just a guy going like, do you reckon your dad would have had the same reaction? Yes. 100%. He would have been like, was that Greg Champion? Like, he wouldn't have known. Wouldn't have been able to tell the difference. <laughs> Good job. Yes, Dad, if you listen closely to that death metal band, they're making a pun about Marcus Bolton Pelly. <laughs> Um, no, I don't think that he would. Like, I, I just don't think that he has like a frame of reference for. It's, it's well, none he, of it's he interesting. Would have grown up, he, so, in the same way as like, if we're not interested in something, say I'm not interested in, um, I don't know, like, uh, say I wasn't interested in comic books, right? I am, okay. but say I wasn't interested in comic books, then you're kind of like, well, I don't know if Sandman is any better than like you know this new like issue of the Incredible Hulk or whatever, like. You don't have that frame of reference. You're just like, oh, well, that's all comic books. And he is a bit like that. In the same way as I'm like, oh, that must be a TikTok. He's like, oh, yeah, that must be music. And then, like, I think a part of his brain just shuts off and he doesn't really – it's not – I don't think he really actively listens to it at all. It just becomes background noise. He tunes it out, I guess. What about someone like – and I get his name wrong. Is it Skill Rex? Skill Rex. Skill Fuck (laughs) Or are you talking about Skill Rex Hunt, the uh, (laughs) brilliant (laughs) AFL commentator, EDM crossover artist? Skill Rex Hunt, the the woman loved it. I loved it. But if he was if he was listening to that where there was no lyrics, but it was like hard industrial kind of you know sounds, do you think your dad would turn to you and say, "Is it meant to sound like that?" I just want to know how many genres we can tick off, which would be baffling to your father. I mean, all of them. I, I right. mean, it wouldn't have surprised me if, like, you know, Tina Arena sang the national anthem and he turned to me as that, like, does that make it sound like that? <laughs> Your dad has no concept of what a melody sounds like. No Why idea. Why do the words go up and down like that? Why does she keep repeating the same phrase every couple of seconds? Well, I guess it would be like taking someone to the cricket for the first time or taking someone to AFL football for the first time. Like she who was didn't... born yesterday, which yeah. is also an episode of Boy. 
Yeah. <laughs> the dad pretends he doesn't know what anything is. <laughs> I mean, I think my dad probably would have liked Bluey if he, when he was like raising kids or grandkids. Like, I don't know. My, my dad might have even watched an episode of Bluey because, like, you know, Bluey's a like a a working dog, right? Like a blue, no, blue healer, I no, guess. No, they, right? no, no, they're, no, they're in a they live in in a city, of Brisbane. Oh, probably okay. like you know somewhere around New Farm or something Bloody like that. Yuppies. Lovely house, actually. Yeah, right. Okay, sorry. I think, I think Bandit is an archaeologist because oh. he digs up bones. And I think his wife, Chili, works at the airport as a security dog. She's right. a nudge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's an episode so- <laughs> where they harass a bunch of Vietnamese immigrants who are just trying to bring some fish to the <laughs> just didn't understand the form. It's just medicine, <laughs> man. It's just my medicine. <laughs> so while I was She's running Border Collie oh. Security. Sorry, I had to go back for that one. <laughs> So while I was doing my uh, uh, look into, um, and apologies in advance to the listener, I don't think there is enough in meatloaf to assist. Well, there was oh, not, nothing can I tell I you, sorry, about I have, a, I have another meatloaf story, though. So I did okay. not just have one meatloaf story. I have a second meatloaf story, if you want to hear it. Because when I was at second university- Second serving of meatloaf, is that what you're saying? Exactly. Some reheated meatloaf. So yeah. when I was at university, yes. uh, Fatty Vorton, uh, we, we raised this last time, but- uh, yeah. Paul Fatty Vorton, who was a former NRL player turned entertainer, uh, was very popular at the time, and a beer company in conjunction with him decided that they were going to run the world's biggest barbecue. So they were going to try to break like a record by like you know have, having this big barbecue, getting all these people to attend, and then uh, Meatloaf would play. He was the entertainment. I think there was some other entertainment, but Meatloaf was the headliner at the world's biggest barbecue. So this is the late '90s you're talking about, right? Uh, so I'm at university when it happens. So it's like uh, the mid, uh, early to mid nineties. Yeah. Well, so, so it's got to probably be nineteen ninety three or something. I'm gonna, you know what? I'm just gonna look up Fatty Vorton World's Biggest Barbecue because I think it will. Uh, so he won. So uh, uh, Meatloaf won like a Grammy for best rock performance in nineteen ninety three. So when this happened, he's a pretty big rock star. Like you know, this is. This is not you getting the butler from um, the nanny out for the logies. This is this is a big deal. Yeah, this is like an absolutely big deal. Fatty Vaughan. University of where? Where did you go to university? Barbecue. University Canberra. of Canberra, but it was in Sydney. It was in the suburbs right. of Sydney somewhere. That's what I remember. So, lost Wollongong tumbler. This, it's, I'm I'm going to have to go to some, some deep places in the internet to see if I can uh, work this out. Who remembers Paul Fatty Vorton's world's biggest barbecue at Wynn Stadium in 1993? So it must have been Wynn Stadium, I think, is at Wollongong, I'm guessing, seeing this is on a Wollongong Facebook group. And then they have, uh, yeah, so uh, there was uh, special cans that were made for the day, which said the world's biggest barbecue on them. And then that signed down the bottom by Fatty Vorton. So this is how big Fatty was, that he could get all these people together to have the world's biggest barbecue and go and see Meatloaf. And my friend Vanessa Stoikov and I decided that we would make the trek from Canberra to Wollongong to go to Fatty Vorton's world's biggest barbecue to see Meatloaf play. And How it things was, have changed. Oh, no, <laughs> honestly. You now veg- Is that what turned you vegetarian? <laughs> the world's biggest barbecue? <laughs> yeah, well, I was still eating meat then. So I, I remember – I don't know even if we actually got anything from the barbecue because – if you want to make a fire festival or Woodstock '99 <laughs> style 
documentary about an event in Australian history, 100% the number one on that list would be Paul Fatty Vorton's World's Biggest Barbecue because they absolutely indicated that the lines for the beer and the barbecue were like miles long, like people queuing all day long. And what I loved the most about it was people just blamed Fatty. Like people were walking around. <laughs> like cause clearly, like it's not like Fatty put the barbecue together, right? Like Fatty didn't no, deal with the, the beer company. Ja Rule. To complete right. the fire festival analogy, he's just Ja Rule. He's the face of it. Yeah, he's the face. He's the way that you get the people in. He's the guy who's got his like, you know, signature on this beer that you've put together. But it's not like Fatty was ringing up Meatloaf's manager and trying to get him down for the day. You know, Fatty wasn't organizing the amount of sausages they needed for the barbecue or how many beers they would need. But they had severely underestimated what they needed on the day. And it turns out that the sort of people who follow Paul Fatty Vorton as their messiah and, you know, he was the original influencer, I guess, in this situation. Yeah, right. And they have signed up. They've bought the dream that Paul Fatty Vorton was selling them about this mythical world's biggest barbecue, a chance to be part of history and the biggest barbecue of all time, to see one of the greatest artists of all time, the bat out of hell himself, uh, Meatloaf, perform live. And people were just mad at Fatty. They were so mad at Fatty. Like I just, we would constantly, I don't think we got a beer or a sausage, but we spent hours just walking around the crowd hearing <laughs> people mutter about Fatty, like the biggest PR disaster for one person in history because everyone's like, oh, Fatty should have known they need more toilets than this. I'm like, Fatty did not arrange the toilets. Fatty was not in the meeting where they decided how many toilets they would need for this event. So did Meatloaf actually play though? Meatloaf played and Meatloaf played like a bat out of hell. He was great. This was like, you know, this right. is this is back when Peak Meatloaf, Meatloaf was absolutely- Piping hot, for- straight out of the oven. And I'm talking about a crowd that had had a pretty bad day. And yeah. Meatloaf, you know what Meatloaf did? He didn't do what uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers did. He didn't go out there and do a cover of fire and get them to light the whole place on fire. No, Meatloaf was like, I'm going to make this day worth it for the people who've been here. And yeah, he puts on a show, particularly for that sort of middle Australia crowd. Like there is a lot of Meatloaf love. It's so funny though, isn't it? Like, he just got his timings all wrong. He delivered his best ever performance at the worst event in Australian history and yeah. delivered his worst ever performance at Australia's at the best event in Australian history. <laughs> like, if he just, just reverse it, he could just go back in time and tell him, life, it doesn't matter, just save your shit performance for Fatty's thing and be really good in 2011 because you're going to need it. Now, you know, that's what he should have said after the game when everybody was criticising him. He goes, well, it's actually Fatty Vorton's fault. It was bloody fatty. <laughs> well, you know what he said? Because in my research, he, uh, oh. so he, he got slammed by everyone and he blamed the AFL mm. <laughs> and he called them butt sniffers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was his insult of choice. Now, this well, is the butt like sniffers butt sniffers played sniffer. at halftime that year, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> they had the chain smokers and the butt sniffers. <laughs> called me a butt sniffer. Okay. He was like a 65 year old man calling it. A sporting organization, a bunch of butt sniffers. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't really, it's not really like the most kind of stoic, noble advances, is it? I mean, also, like, where does that come from? Like, butt sniffers. Like, what? like, do you know what I mean? Like, you like, got, well, maybe like the smell, they're arrogant, they like the smell of their own farts or a butt sniffer. I mean, that's a bit obscure, though, isn't it? Like, it implies that you're sniffing other people's butts. Yeah. <laughs> right? 
Yeah. Well, maybe also it could be like, you know, you say someone's got their nose in someone's butt, they're sucking up to them. You're a bunch of butt sniffers. So maybe they promised meatloaf the world, they sucked up to them and then they abandoned it at the first opportunity. Maybe that's where you- I mean, maybe that, yeah, okay. Can I ask you this? In Bluey, do they ever sniff each other's butts? Uh, No, they occasionally do dog-like things. Like they'll shake off after a shower- They'll eat their own vomit and shit, but nothing weird. <laughs> it's a real good show. You'd really like it. <laughs> now, um, so do I apologize to the listener. We're not going to no. do a deep. That's as deep no. as we're going to go on meatloaf, apart from one thing, because I know uh, you'll be able to. You'll be able to reach a conclusion. You're good with this kind of shit, okay. Will. We're going to do another lyric break. Then, All right. Because um, I got curious about. I'll do anything for love in brackets, but I won't do that. And oh, yeah. you know I love a song with brackets, parentheses. Yes. Parentheses. I love it when the, the songwriter doesn't trust you enough mm. to work out the sentiment, is, so they spell it out in the parentheses. So I'll do anything for love, parentheses, but I won't do that. Now, I read through these lyrics because I was in my head, I'm like, what is the that that he won't do? And I am none the wiser from having gone through these Great. lyrics. But I, you did it with Eminem last week or a couple of weeks ago. Right. I want you to do it again this week. What is the that that Meatloaf refuses to do? So I'll, I'll let you know when I'm doing the Meatloaf parts yep, and when great. I'm doing the, la- the lady the lady parts. <laughs> I always let you know when I'm doing the lady parts, great. Will. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So you know, they do the big opening refrain. As you know, it starts off with uh, blah, blah, blah. Some days it don't come easy. Some days it don't come hard. Some days it don't come at all. And these are the days that never end. Firstly, interesting that his first verse doesn't rhyme. Does not stay consistent for the rest of the song. He opens with a non-rhyming verse. But then it so, rhymes for the rest of the song. Pretty much. Yeah, okay, so weird. just run me, run me through this one more time. Sundays it don't come easy. Sundays, Sundays it don't, don't come, come hard. Yeah. Sundays it don't come at all. Okay, I so mean, is, this a, is, it, is me, it about coming? I, I, like, are we talking about just coming? Like, is there? are we looking I, for meaning in something? That, and these are the days that never end. Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe it's... I think it's Is he maybe, talking about look, watching internet pornography? And sometimes it don't come easy. So sometimes it doesn't come he doesn't come easy. Sometimes it doesn't come hard. And then sometimes like all day long. He's there <laughs> he's just edging all day long, just can't get the job done. And that those are the days that never seem to end. Well, maybe it's like he's taken a pill mm-hmm. and he can almost get there, but not quite. And <laughs> so that's what he's saying. These are the days. That will never end. I mean, it could be about um, the craft of songwriting, you know, like you know what it's like being a creative person at that point. You know, some days the inspiration doesn't come easy, some days it doesn't come hard, and some days it doesn't come at all, and they're the longest days. No, okay, let, let's agree on one yep. thing. This is a love song. He's singing to mm. a, a beloved, a partner, yeah. right? So we can agree that it's about the relationship or her. Some days it doesn't come easy. Some days it doesn't come hard. Some days it doesn't come at all. And these are the days that never end. So I reckon that could just be like the relationship comes easy. Some days it, it doesn't come hard. And then some days they just are very distant from each other. And I mean, that's possibly. when the relationship feels really yeah. hard. Okay. Next verse. Some nights you're breathing fire. Some nights you're carved in ice. Some nights you're like Nothing I've ever seen before or will again. Shit, another non-rhyming rhyming verse. That's okay, weird. so, all right. This could be about, yes, like you said, a tempestuous relationship, tempestuous relationship, yeah. a, a relationship yeah. of great, like, 
swings. Love that. This is this is uh, equivalent of love the way you lie. Eminem's love the way you life. It's about yeah. a fraught relationship that is yeah. both passionate and loving, and also horrible and horrible and dysfunctional. <laughs> Yeah, basically he's describing somebody who needs treatment for their mental illness at this point. I'm not sure whether it's him (laughs) or his partner, but it feels like one one or the other, or both. So some nights you're breathing fire, some nights you're carved in ice. So she's a bit bit bipolar Mm. in her personality, or he, they. Some nights you're like nothing I've ever seen before or will again. All right. Maybe I'm crazy, but it's crazy and it's true. I know you can save me. No one else can save me now but you. All right. Mm. Okay. That's the first instance of a writing verse. As long as the wheels are turning, as long as the bays are burning, like mm. bay as in summer bay, not bay as in Byron Bay. Uh, the yeah. shop. B-A-I-B-A-E. <laughs> what a as bad in you've come up with. Like, well, I really like, fucked up there. A thing that does not clear it up in any way. And in fact, <laughs> like, but it's Byron Bay's. So the reference Byron Bay, you're like, no, that is the exact same way. Literally, you've named the place, not like Summer Bay, like Byron Bay. The same thing. <laughs> What you meant was Byron Bay's. Bay's. The TV shot. Yeah. Okay. As long as the wheels are turning, as yep. long as the bays are burning, as long as your dreams are coming true, you'd better believe it. Okay. Okay. Now, so- what, what is, What's a burning bay refer to? Mm, Michael Bay? Loading, loading bay? A loading bay. <laughs> like, the wheels are turning from the loading bay that is burning. As long as your dreams are coming true, you'd better believe it. Okay. So, I don't know what the bays are burning- is um, the original title of the Midnight Oil. So Peter Garrett came in and he goes, I've got this great song, Bays Are Burning. And they're like, what about Beds Are Burning? And he's like, What's that a land rights issue? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because yours is about Summer Bay, Peter. It's weird. Um, Okay. It feels like this is about a relationship where both of them are people of, you know, they're both – broken people in some ways but he's he's saying that this despite that despite the fact that you know this isn't a perfect relationship despite the fact that it wildly fluctuates from complete love to sometimes hate or coldness and those sort of things that i believe that it's worth persisting with because i'm also you're a bit crazy i'm a bit crazy a bit crazy everyone's yeah. a little bit crazy maybe we can be crazy together Okay, so then we get to the first chorus. I would do anything for love. I know it's true and that's a fact. I'd do anything for love and there'll never be no turning back. Okay, so starting to rhyme again now. Um, but but I'll never do it better than I do it with you so long, so long. And I would do anything for love or I'd do anything for love. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. I won't do that. First mention of... The that. Yeah. What is the that he is referring to? So let's, okay, I think you're right. It's a relationship that has ups and downs. I'm just as crazy as you, baby, but as long as we're in this together, it's great. I'll never do better than I do it with you. Okay. So there's no point in me leaving because I'm not going to feel this with anyone else. Right. I'll do anything for love, but I know about, but I won't do that. I won't do that. So, so hang on. Has go, she go, given no, him an I, I need more. I need to walk through this whole thing because this is where the, this is what we're trying to crack. Like we need to- This is to, the left turn. Yeah, this is this is what we need to work out. So let's walk through it line by line. I think it's the yeah. only way to do it. 
Not from the very top or just from the just from this, this a couple this, of this before the chorus. Here, like when it becomes about what he won't do. Okay. Okay. So as long as the wheels are turning, as long yeah. as the bays are burning, as long as your dreams are coming true, you'll better believe it. Yeah. I would okay. do anything for love. I know it's true. That's a fact. I'll okay, do anything yeah. for love and there'll never be no turning back. Okay. But and I'll never just do stop, it better. Stop there. Just stop. I'll do it. Yeah. And, there, and there'll never be no turning back. Okay. Yep. All right. Sorry. Go, go on. Okay. I'll never do it better than I do it with you. So long, so long. Now, is that so long as in see you later? Yeah. That's where it gets interesting, right? Because is the so long, yeah. so long as in, is this a goodbye song? Is this a song about- Or is this person dead? Is he saying I won't sleep with your corpse even though you've asked me to? <laughs> In your will, your last wishes in your will was that I fuck you one more time. And you're like, I will do anything for love, but I won't do that. That is necrophilia. We've cracked it. <laughs> is that what the song's about? I mean, what are, what are the other options? I'll never no. do it better than... Okay, yeah, let's say the, just, the person hasn't died. They've yeah. just left. Yeah. I'll never do it better than I do it with you so yes. long. So long, I would do anything for love, or I'll do anything for love, or do anything for love, but I won't do that, I won't do that. So Ishii has just simply left him. Yeah. She must have given him an ultimatum. Can you wear this to bed? Can you kill my boss? <laughs> can you, I don't know, like, can you um, start this e-commerce business with me? Can you, like, it could be anything. It, does, it feels almost more like he's leaving to me. Like, it feels like... Meatloaf's the one who's like, like maybe he's like, yes, like I, I love you very, very much, but maybe we're too crazy together. Like maybe this is right. him saying, you know, the one thing that I won't do, I'll do anything for love, but the one thing I won't do is stay because ah. that's the ultimate gift of love is to walk away because even though she completes him, he knows yeah. that he's not what she needs in, in her life. Okay, so do you reckon that there was an ultimatum put to him, as in you must do this, and he's like, like, is it a singular thing, or are you saying it's a much more I don't like, think holistic it's a thing, like, overview put a, of the relationship? Yeah, no, I don't think it's, it's, the, 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 yeah. That refers to that relationship. That as a concept, uh, you know, a, a, a rocky relationship, I won't do that. Yeah, I won't do that. I won't stay here in this cycle that we're in. Like that's that's the that. I don't think it's like put out the bins or like rimming. Like I think it's <laughs> the, the two options that break up the most common uh, complaint when couples divorce. It's not irreconcilable differences. Is that he wouldn't rim me or yeah, like, he wouldn't take the bins out. Wouldn't separate the recycling and analingus. They're the two. <laughs> no, and I just meant to show the spectrum of. I don't think that it is either of those sort yeah. of things. I think that that is this relationship i think it is staying like he's he's saying the ultimate gift of love is for him to leave i think so is it yeah. more okay yeah yeah <laughs> we haven't even got to her call and response Great. yet um i would do anything for love anything you've been dreaming of yeah i won't do that i would do anything for love anything you've been dreaming of but i won't do that um that gets repeated again uh, again and again, and then he says, but I'll never stop dreaming of you every night of my life. No way. <laughs> but I would do anything for love, and I won't do that. So then she chimes in, or maybe uh, it's he, if, if it's written from his point of view, it could be his imagination. 
you know, he's running through this breakup and now she says, will you raise me up? Will you help me down? <laughs> like, she's in this fear of heights. Like, is that what she's saying? Will you raise me up? Will you help me down? She's uh, lost, lost the use of her legs, I believe, is what I'm hearing. Well, this is actually, this is a telling lie. Okay. Will you raise me up? Will you help me down? Will you get me right out of this godforsaken town? Oh, so that okay. now gives us some yep. context. Mm-hmm. So let's say Meatloaf, if it's Meatloaf, you know, he's not playing a character. He's done it to her to some small town. He's met this woman, you know, they've had this amazing affair, but it's torrid, you know. it's It, 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 could, be, it could be violent and hurtful, but it's just so passionate and just full of everything. So he's saying, look, you know, this has been great. And I would normally do anything. I've never met anyone like you, no. but I can't do this. I'm, I'm moving on. I mean, possibly. Okay, tell me more. But this is good. This is more information. Okay. Will you raise me up? Will you help me down? Because I'm scared of heights. Mm. <laughs> will you get me right out of this godforsaken town? Yeah. Can you make it all a little less cold? He responds, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. Okay. <laughs> says that twice. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I can do yeah. that. Sure. He does that, Larry David. Yeah. I can, <laughs> I can do that. Yeah, I can, I do, can that. do that. Okay, then she, she pushes a little further. Okay. Will you hold me sacred? Mm-hmm. Will you hold me tight? Can you colorize my life? I'm so sick of black and white. Okay, <laughs> but there's no racial <laughs> details to that. Like if she's. Like maybe she's Asian or something and hates both blacks and whites. No, no, no. She hated the Michael Jackson uh, film clip for the oh, song Black and White. Black and White. <laughs> yeah. um, can you make it all a little less old? All right. Mm-hmm. So let's just run through her. I'm just going to yeah. ignore his I can do that. So she says, will you raise me up? Will you help me down? Will you get me right out of this godforsaken town? Yeah, so she wants to leave can with you- him. Yep. Can you make it all a little less cold? Yeah. Will you hold me sacred? Will you hold me tight? Can you colorize my life? I'm so sick of the blacks and the whites. I'm so sick of black and white. I'm so sick of those damn blacks and whites. (laughs) Can you make it all a little less old? Mm. All right. I still think that places her in a small town. She's in a small town. She wants to get out of the small town. Is he going to take her out of the small town with him or not? Now, he gets a bit more enthusiastic mm. in his response because he says, I can do that. Mm. Oh, I can oh, do that. I can do that. Like, he's, he's starting mm-hmm. to, she's talking him around. Yeah, I can do that. Okay. Then she says, will you make me some magic with your own two hands? Can you build an emerald city with these grains of sand? Mm. Can you give me something I can take home? <laughs> uh, look. That makes perfect sense. Magic with your own two hands. Uh, I don't know. Like, that's just, you know, that, that's cute sort of pillow talk type stuff. Can you build an emerald city with these grains of sand? Wizard of Oz, like, she wants a happy ending. Well, <laughs> I'm sure he wants a happy ending too, but she wants a well, that's what he's going to do with his magic hands. His magic hands, <laughs> yeah. Um, then can you give me something I can take home? Now, all right, mm. let's think about this. She references Emerald City and she references going home. Yeah. Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. has to tap her ruby slippers yeah. to go home. Is this a metaphor for The Wizard of Oz? Is the whole thing a metaphor? Is he like, is this if Dorothy and the, and the, and the Scarecrow had an affair? Right. Like maybe the idea being that she knows at some stage she's going to have to return to her 
ordinary she's life. The, she wants to go. He's kicking her off the tour bus. <laughs> he gives her a meatloaf tour t-shirt, a baseball cap, a stick, and she's then like, boots her out of the next stop. Can I have something to take home? You got any merch? This one's a merch. Uh, he says, <laughs> "He says, yeah, I can do that. I can yeah. do that." Um, then she gets a bit saucy. Okay. Will you cater to every fantasy I got? Will you hose me down with holy water oh. if I get too hot? Oh, boy. Will you take me places I've never known? And he's like, fuck yeah. Yeah, all <laughs> I right. Yeah, I can definitely. do that. I can definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> I like how she starts off kind of yeah. like all soft and gentle about, hey, will you hold me and tell me everything's going to be okay yeah. and get me warm and get me out of this down? And then would you spray me with your yeah. giant hose of holy water? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, can I get a merch T-shirt? And also, can you spray me with your giant hose? <laughs> Uh, they must have pissed themselves when they came up with that line. Will you hose me down with holy water if I, if I get, get too hot? hot? I mean, it's sad to think that they uh, I mean, the idea of like holy would have been a euphemism for, for cum is just so disturbing. I mean, yeah, the idea that you dip a baby in it is, is a bit disturbing. <laughs> That's what I mean. You know, the amount of times as a kid I'd enter a church and dab my hands in it and wipe it on my forehead. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Although my skin's been greatly yeah. moisturised. <laughs> the of my forehead is just purple and a perfect crust. It's just my forehead, perfectly moisturised. Uh, he's like, yeah, fuck, I can do that. I'll uh, spray you all night long. Um, and then she sort of, she kind of retreats. I think maybe she got a bit embarrassed with that because then she's gone, after a while, you'll forget everything. Mm. I was a brief interlude in a midsummer night's fling. Oh, uh, yep. And you'll see it's time to move on. Yeah. And then he says, no, no, I won't do that. I won't do that. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it is that idea of he's been in this town, he needs to move on, oh. right? And it's right. about whether she's going to come with him on this adventure right. or she's not going to come on. So, like, she's asking, like, you know, is it what's it going to be like on the road? You know, is it going to be the promise of the glamour of life on the road and being with you and the passion of our affair? Or eventually, you know, it's going to be like having a summer fling and, you know, it was actually partly about the place you were and those sort of things and it's, it's not going to be able to sustain itself. Yes. I think that's what it is. It's like the, the, that is... I won't forget about you. Look, I can't stick around because we're on tour, but I'm not that kind of rock star who just comes to town and fucks a groupie and kicks her off the bus with a bunch of merch. Like, I'll I'll call you and we'll stay in touch and I want to see where this goes. Is that what it means? No, I think it's a, like he's saying, come with. Like, you can come with me. Like, I think he is saying that you can come with me. I won't do that. Why did he say so long, so long? That's the confusing bit, isn't it? I know. So long, so long. But I think he's come to this small town. They've met each other. They've had this kind of like raging affair and he needs to to move on, right? Maybe the that is stay in one place. Like, I, 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 you know, I can do anything but stay in the one place. I'm a road dog. I need to have my life on the road. I need to be out there doing shows. I've got to go to Australia. There's a guy called Fatty Borton who's been on the phone nonstop telling me about the world's <laughs> biggest barbecue and I've got to get down there. But he's like, but, you know, maybe we can – why don't you come with me? Why don't you come with me and we'll, we can continue this on the road? And she's trying to work out whether she goes with him or not. But he's saying the one thing that he knows he can't do is he can't stay there for her. Is walk away from love. No, right. that's the opposite. I think that that is, 
that he can't stay there with her. If she if she wants them okay. to be together, then she's got to come on the road with him because he's a he's an entertainer. He's got the music inside I him. Mean, he needs then, to be out there on the road and entertaining people. Meatloaf, then your definition of anything is is pretty goddamn narrow. She feels like I'll do anything, but yeah. I won't do this pretty sort of common request of, hey, could you stick around if yeah. you're in love with me? No, no, no. no. That's the that's one the thing. One thing. That's the one thing. Well, that's not anything. You wouldn't do anything. It's not even that kind of unusual no, I said there's a or, or desperate There's request. terms and conditions. When you sign into Apple Music, there's terms and conditions, mate. This is just one. I have one term and condition for my unrequited love in any other aspect. You can have fantasies. I'll do that. You can like anything else I am up for. But there is one thing I can't do. I can't stick around. I can't stick around in this little town. i got to... Get back out there on the road. As much as I'd love to spray down my holy water, oh, man, I'm <laughs> really going to get going. I've got like up to pussy's bow with holy water, and I really want to spray <laughs> some around. But I've got to get on the road. So she finishes by saying, "I know the territory. I've been around. It's all. It'll all turn to dust, and we'll all fall down mm. sooner or later. You'll be screwing around." And he says, "No, I won't do that. Oh, I won't yeah. do that because I'll do anything for love." Uh, now, well, I found an article. BBC.com, Meatloaf, what exactly is the that the singer would not do for love? This is uh, by Mark Savage. It's one of the great rock mysteries of all time. What would Meatloaf, Meatloaf not do for love? The late English singer, singer's Grammy-winning power ballad uh, blasted its way to the top of the charts in 1993. Over 12 minutes of Wagnerian melodramatics, he repeated that not, that guaranteed no less than 30 times. But fans have long been confused about what he wouldn't do. Go vegan, bribe a priest, give a gun to a monkey. Well, we never came up with that. This guy is bloody, when the rings around us, when it comes to like comedy <laughs> concepts. The star gave one possible answer during his cameo in the Spice World movie. In character as the Spice Girl's driver, the star is asked to clean out a permanently clogged toilet on the bus. Listen, girls, I love you and I'll do anything for you, but I won't do that. Ho, ho, indeed. Following Meatloaf's deaths at the age of 74, there'd been renewed intrigue around the song's meaning, but the answer to this rock conundrum is much simpler than you think. In the lyrics, Mr. Loaf says he won't move on or screw around or stop dreaming about the object of his affections. Billed in the song as Mrs. Loud, <laughs> she was in fact British singer Lorraine Crosby and also a failed Mr. Men character. Well, maybe she's a Mr. Men character, I don't know. In fact, every time he sings, I won't do that, it's to reject the possibility of a specific future transgression. Jim Steinman, who wrote the song, thought fans might be stuck by the refrain, which is exactly which he had actually recycled from the Buddy Tyler song, Getting So Excited. Um, when we were recording it, Jim brings up this thing, says, people aren't going to know what it, what it means, Meatloaf recalled in 2014. I said, of course they are. How can they not know? He says, they're not going <laughs> to. Steinman was proved right. What happens is, I get this question all the time, Meatloaf told VH1 in 1998. I bet if I said, do you have a question, people would raise their hands and say, what is that? Well, tonight I'm going to help you out, he continued, wheeling out a giant blackboard of the lyrics and illustrating the syntax (laughs) with a pointy stick. Great, he just did what we basically (laughs) just did. He did an episode of Toe Pop. (laughs) There are different lines every time before every chorus, he explained. I'll never forgive myself if we don't go all the way tonight. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Oh, I didn't know I'll we had this... all the way tonight. No, no. Okay, so that we've missed that, haven't we? Did we that talk wasn't about in the lyrics? I bet 
Because if no, it's about I don't remember that line. this to me then makes sense uh, from the little information we have so far, here's my guess. That he's trying to convince her to sleep with him that night. And like, you know, and that they can have an ongoing relationship. And she's wise to the world of like rock stars going through towns and, you know, like whether there's any possibility that this would be anything more. But he's just like, I want to do it tonight for the first time, maybe. Right. I'll never forgive myself if we don't go all the way tonight. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. I'll never stop dreaming of you every night of my life. I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. I'll never forgive the way you feel right now. I'll do anything for love, but I won't do that. The audience replies in unison, that. Now do you understand it? Responds Professor Loaf. It's the line before every chorus. In other words, you can insert your own line. So these are the things Meatloaf says he will never do in the song. I will never lie to you. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget the way you feel right now. I'll never forgive myself if we don't do it tonight. If we do it better than I do it, if I do it better than I do it with you. If I stop dreaming of you every night of my life, um, if I see that it's time to move on, if I scroll, be, if I'm screwing around, whether intrigued by the mystery or seduced by the grandiose romanticism, fans embrace "I'll Do Anything" in '93. It spent seven weeks at number one in the UK, becoming the best-selling single of the year and rejuvenating his career. The single edit, a mere five minutes long, added to the story's mystique as some of the lyrics are cut oh, out, which we go. must have read the five-minute okay. version. Wow. So the, 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 that is several that's. That's what we found yeah. out, is it's not one yeah. that. The mystery of what the that is, is that the that is several things. Yeah, that was, well, that's not my fault. That, well, that is my fault. <laughs> I should have researched well, the song should be, I, I literally typed The song in, should be, I would do anything, love, but I won't do this list of things. <laughs> Parentheses. Parentheses, but I won't do this list of eight things that I'm going to run you through now, or five in the radio edit. Uh, Well, before we get to our mailbag, uh, we've got a couple of things to promote. Um, You can find all these things at tofop.com. We're doing a summer series of our podcast, Two Guys, One Cup, where I'm chatting to uh, famous Aussies about the teams they support. Um, Last week was Alicia Loxley, uh, St Kilda supporter. She was someone who I emceed the Saints Best and Fairest with uh, last year, and we both had a weird feeling on the night, it's fair to say, and then the events have played out the next month or so, proved us to be right. Uh, and this week, Simon from the Adam and Simon Show, uh, also Gogglebox, is talking about his beloved kangaroo. So check that out at tofop.com. Uh, we also have episodes of Fofop. Um, I believe Ben McClay was last week, and maybe I'm going to see if he's available. Um, uh, 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 Johnny McKay from Children Collide, I'm hoping to get on this week's episode of Fofop. So that should be out now. Uh, what have you got to promote? Uh, I am currently on tour somewhere in Australia. We're recording these uh, <laughs> banks, so I don't know exactly. I think I'll still be in Adelaide as part of the Adelaide Fringe for Illuminate, my new show. And hopefully by the time you're hearing this, I actually have a new show. Um, and then uh, that is touring all over Australia. So if you are somewhere in Australia, particularly the capital cities to start, then go to uh, comedy.com.au and you can find all those dates and details. I would love to see you at a show. Uh, my last year's show, Will Logical, is for free on ABC iView. You can check that out. And uh, I also uh, have a book. It is called I Am Not Fine. Thanks. It is still available and it would be great if you could uh, buy that as well. That would be great. Now, uh, Will is famously off social media, but if you, dear listener, are still on social media, can I encourage you to subscribe to either at Tofop on or Twitter or Instagram, because every week we're posting these highlight videos cut together by our fabulous editor, Nick, and uh, 
Then my favorite part of the week, he actually makes us funnier and snappier than we are. <laughs> he takes an hour of podcast and turns it into a snappy 45-second clip. Um, they're really fun. We're going to be uploading them to our YouTube channel soon. So if you don't want to subscribe to those social media platforms, I understand. Uh, hopefully, you're not against YouTube as well, because if you if it's all three, you're off the, off the list. <laughs> we can't help you. There's no way you can see us. Oh, no, there is. You can subscribe to our Patreon. We can watch full-length episodes. So uh, there is plenty of ways to see us. We would appreciate it if you did check out our YouTube channel and subscribe. And if you want to support us, you can. Patreon is the best way to do that. There's little as a dollar a month. Bonus episodes, um, lots of back catalogue of stuff, artwork by James Fosdyke, exclusive comics, the works. Uh, right, Will, uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about um, a woman uh, that I had met at a party in Byron Bay who told me that she had oh, yes. a sister. The mystery sister. Uh, um, um, that was identi- identical to her, uh, that was not a twin. So that has um, fired up some of our listeners who have their own theories. This was uh, from... This is from... Elise? I guess it's Elise. It, yeah, or Ellis. E-double-L-I-S-W? I think, is that a mistyping? It must be. Unless that person's got Eliswa. Ellis. Come on. Eliswa has written in. Okay. Uh, hey, Willie. Hey, Willie. Hey, Will and Charlie. I had to pause the pod and write in. I think she does not have a sister, and her response was one of self-protection, she probably feels it off automatically when she's not wanting to engage in conversation with a man she does not know. Uh, that was my initial take. You thought that that was probably unlikely. Well, You've known I, me I mean, years. I know you don't that think I give up. I know that vibe. that is a thing that, of course, women have to do, and that is sad that that is a thing that women have to do. And I can understand that if you're the sort of person who has to, you know, you just feel your privacy is invaded in some way in like a small town, then maybe it's just instinctive and you do it. The, the thing that I have going against that is, because I don't know this person, so I, I have no information. The only information I'm working on is the information I know about you and the vibe you give off and how people react to you that I've observed over the 20 years that we've known each other. So um, it just seemed unlikely because of that. You're not the sort of guy that you give a fake story to because as this podcast is proving, that, that creates more of an issue. Then you go on a deep dive. You yeah. want to know what this mystery is and try to solve it, poker face style. <laughs> I think you. I think you. What the point you brought up that made the most sense to me is she has made it overly complicated. If she was going to lie, there are much simpler lies which wouldn't have created so many questions. Doesn't have like, to be. A, it doesn't have to be a sister, sister in the it, same you, town I live in. Does it, yeah, exactly. I don't. I don't live in this part of the Just world. Deny it. You no, know what? There must be someone who. Yeah. Like, how about this? There must be someone who looks a lot like me in this town because that's not the first time that somebody has said something like that to me. Oh, yeah. Well, you just go, me no speak of the English. Oh, yeah, again, too <laughs> complicated. <laughs> again, you've made it racial. <laughs> uh, someone else has written in. This is Samantha. Uh, Catching the imagination of our female listeners on the side. Hey, Will and Charlie, listening to episode 408, where Charlie's questioning whether or not a woman he met is lying about having a twin sister, it made me think of a time my partner and I witnessed someone lying about having a twin, and we saw it happen firsthand. Years ago, we were at a wedding for some friends when we overheard a woman we went to school with, who was definitely not a twin, she was in fact an only child, telling a group of guests that she had a twin sister. Someone had told her they recognized her from an engagement party. So she corrected them, explained that it was actually her twin sister at the engagement party who was unfortunately unable to make it to the wedding. 
We were aware that this person had recently changed her first name to a more feminine one, okay. a former name, one that we knew as in high school was typically considered to be a male name. My partner was too drunk to bite his tongue. He walked over to the group and demanded she tell the truth and admit that she didn't actually have a twin and she had just changed her name. She refused to come clean, even calling over her boyfriend who confirmed her lies. It was weird and creepy. It also made my partner look like a total dick yeah, to a group of guests. It definitely would have. I mean, <laughs> like, accurate summation. I mean, he was better like, Let's be honest. It was a dick move regardless of the circumstance. Yeah. I mean, I think if I was in that circumstance, I would have the same reaction mm. that you and your boyfriend were having, which is like, this is yeah. fucked up and weird. But the idea of but marching over there and confronting them. <laughs> <laughs> liar like, what? yeah, what's that going to achieve liar accused it was weird and creepy it also made my partner look like a total dick to a group of guests I guess she was more comfortable with lying to people about having a twin than admitting she changed her name because she didn't like her old one thanks for the pod guys yeah I mean who knows that psychology I can identify with though like you know we talked about a couple of weeks ago I often find myself lying for no good reason and then once you're into it you might as well just keep going the fact that she had to call her boyfriend over to confirm her lies. Like, I wonder if he just did great improv and was like, just backed her up 100%. Or whether he doesn't or if know. he had to do it before. I mean, he, don't, he might not know. <laughs> yeah, right. He might have. I mean, that performance <laughs> might have been entirely for her boyfriend because she's like, I can't have him finding out that I don't have a twin. Uh, now, Will, you went and saw Kendrick Lamar a little while back. And uh, you were saying, um, this is actually was from Dustin. He said, hey, fellas, I heard episode four and I, we were discussing whether or not it would be a trap to sing the N-word at a Kendrick Lamar concert if you're a white person. Well, I have some additional Kendrick fodder for you. This did actually happen in real life where Kendrick called a white girl into stage to sing the chorus of his song that just so happens to have the N-word in it. She sings the N-word and he actually stops the show to chastise her in front of everyone. You can check out the it's video here. I told you it was uh, a bloody trap. That. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have checked out the video. It's incredibly awkward. Like, it is just, I mean, I don't know. She, because she doubles down. Like, when Kendrick stops down, so he was like, hang on, I thought you were going to, I thought you'd do the radio the edit like everybody rather, does. That's what you're meant to do. Yeah. Yeah. But then, then, but she sort of goes on the offensive and doubles down and starts saying, "What? I'm not cool enough. I'm not cool enough." It's like, "Oh God, this is not making yeah. things better." Uh, interestingly, Kendrick goes on to address the incident on a track called "Viati Diaries," where he concedes that he regrets the way he handled the incident and admits to using slurs himself when he was younger out of pure ignorance. Uh, yeah, so look, I think <laughs> that was a lose lose situation. Where I don't know what Kendrick was thinking with that particular line. I think it's too much. To expect like an excited fan to get up there, and if you're not a performer, like, she's never done like, something I love. If you know the Manchester self, I love that show. But the idea that he's making the audience sing along to stuff that has like a word that you're not allowed to sing in it is like it's it's tricky. Like I mean, I'm glad. Like I, I, it was honestly one of the best bits of that gig was seeing the people everybody know. It was like that had a meeting in the foyer. Like there might be this point in the show, <laughs> guys. We are not going to let down Queensland tonight. <laughs> uh, finally, well, this is from Jacob. He says, "Hey guys, I was listening to a four and I, where Charlie mentioned that Alf Clausen composed the Simpsons theme." I had always been aware it was composed by someone else, so I thought a better way to clarify this was to get AI to sort it out for you. So. 
here's AI responding to uh, my assertion that Alf Clawson wrote the theme to The Simpsons. Dear Charlie Clawson and Will Anderson, I hope this letter finds you both in good health and spirits. I am an AI language model created by OpenAI and are writing to clarify a commonly held misconception about Alf Clawson who, who shares his surname with Charlie. It is often believed that Alf Clawson composed a theme for the show The Simpsons. However, I regret to inform you that it is not the case. The theme for The Simpsons was actually composed by Danny Elfman. Oh. Alf Clawson is a talented composer and conductor who contributed music to many TV shows and films, including The Simpsons. He served with them as the main show composer for the show from its second season to its 27th season and is credited with creating much of the iconic music that has become synonymous with the show. I hope this information is helpful in clearing up any confusion. Please note that this letter was written by me, an AI language model, as a response to your request. If you have any further questions, you can reach out to OpenAI. Best regards, OpenAI language model. No, OpenAI language model. <laughs> we will not be reaching out to you for any further comment. How dare you patronize me like this? Yeah, I realized after we'd said it, um, but unfortunately, it was too good a bit, and Nick, our editor, cut it up and released it online as our one-minute highlight this week. And that's to spark more people in the comments telling me it's good. It's engagement. From what I know thing. about internet and the algorithms yeah. and how they work, like it doesn't actually matter if it's positive or negative. Engagement is actually what you're after. That's your key. Like, so that's that's why it's you know so good to say idiotic things all the time on podcasts, so people argue about them in the comments. So the more of it, the better. I say. I mean, ironic that in me making a blunder about The Simpsons, everyone turns into the comic book guy. <laughs> but they just couldn't wait to jump on board. Actually, worst podcast ever. Is Danny Elfman the weird, he looks, is he like a weird looking dude, Danny Elfman? No, no, he's the, he does mainly Tim Burton's films. He's known mostly, he does all the Tim Burton scores. He's, he used to be a Oingo Boingo. Did he he's get like really fit though, dude. like at some stage? Is, am, I, am I right in remembering yeah. that? Oh, no, no. He got really fit. That has. So, so I just Danny Elfman ripped or Danny Elfman jacked yeah. or Danny Elfman fit? Yeah. How Danny Elfman got that Coachella body. Yeah, holy shit. <laughs> he looks like, wow. That's crazy. And like a whole bunch of tattoos like got, or something. Like, Is that right? Like, has yeah, he- it's bizarre. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. It's kind of like when Carrot Top got all jacked. Because he's got this long, sort of shaggy red hair, but he is definitely on on steroids. Like he's super muscular, vascularity covered in tats, playing like an electric guitar at Coachella. Holy shit! When did this happen? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know I, I just like remember it, seeing him at one stage and going, "Is that Danny Elfman?" Because he must be in his like sixties or something. He's been around forever. He looks. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, goes back to that episode we talked about. We live in an era where granddads and teenagers have six back, so I'm not sure I like it. <laughs> He's got this very intricate full body tattoos. Like, if you just looked at him from the shoulders yeah. down, you'd think it was some kind of, I don't yeah. know, 35 year old Burning Man dude just covered in tattoos. But then it's got like this old man's, what the fuck is going on? I'm scared. <laughs> that's the guy who came up with that's the Simpsons good- theme. <laughs> he looks like Sideshow Bob. When he comes out of prison, he's all jacked. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, that is Dive Up for this week. I'm Charlie Carlson. Well, Anderson.
listener.